1 Corinthians chapter 11. I want to encourage you, those of you that are at home watching, um, like, like our video here and share it and let some other people know that, that you're watching your church service and that your pastor is preaching and, and, uh, ringing the word. So like and share the video and, and, uh, let's see, let's see how, if we can get this word spread out across the world. Amen. So, uh, so 1 Corinthians 11, I, as, as I was getting ready for, you know, asking the Lord what to, what to share and, and, uh, what to minister here on this Easter, um, you know, I went back to the word the Lord originally gave me for this year, gave all of us for this year, and that was to see things the way God sees it, uh, to see ourselves the way God sees us, to see our circumstances the way God sees our, our circumstances, to look at it like He looks at it. And uh, over the last couple of weeks, I've been uh, I've been taking communion a lot more. I've I've really kind of been focusing on on communion and just my connection with God and and you know making sure that my connection with God was as strong as it could possibly be and um, and and I kept every time I every time I would read the communion story uh, the scriptures in here in First Corinthians eleven or uh, Matthew twenty six Luke twenty two um, every time I would read that I kept I, the the words in here where Jesus said this he said he said as often as you do this. Do it in remembrance of me. One translation said, one, one translation says, every time you do this, you retell my story. And boy, I like that, you know. But I kept hearing, I kept hearing, you know, in, do this in remembrance of me. So this morning, I want to talk to you about remembering the blood. Remembering the blood. Because if we're going to see things like Jesus sees them, um, Probably, I, I'm going to read this out of Luke or 1 Corinthians 11 this morning. But in Luke 22, um, as Jesus is, is, is the, Luke's account of when Jesus actually did the, you know, was there and, and gave the communion elements out there at the Last Supper. You remember, and you know the story. I mean, the Last Supper happened, of course, the last night that he was with his disciples before he, he was arrested later that night. And he was, uh, you know, beaten and put on trial and then crucified the next day. And, uh, uh, you know, but but I love Luke's account because because in Luke he says this he says he says with desire I have desire to eat this meal with you. You know, and he talked about how he talked about how that um, you know how that he and, and to me that was just an incredible thing that he said with desire I have desired this. In other words, he really he said above everything else he really wanted to do this. And and then we have to ask the question: Well, why was it so important for Jesus? Why did he, why did he do that with, you know, why would he say with desire, I have desired to do this? Why would he say that? Well, and, and if we can answer that question, it will help us see the importance of communion, right? So let's look here, and, and this is Paul's account of this. And in Luke, or I mean, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 23, he said this. He says, Paul, Paul was talking, and, and Paul said this. He says, For I have received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, that, that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and he said, "Take, eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me." In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, "This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me." For as often as you drink this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. And then if you read the next couple of verses, he says, Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in a manner 
or in an unworthy manner will be will be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. And then he tells us what that unworthy manner is. He says he says, but let a man examine himself. So let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats the bread in an unworthy manner and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Not discerning the Lord's body. So what was he talking about? Here's what I believe Jesus was saying in that, in a concise matter, and you could go real deep into that. But here's what I believe when he said that, that when you eat and drink unworthily, that you're, that you're not, you're not discerning the Lord's body. I believe that there's many Christians today living with sickness, living with, uh, thing, with, with sin, condemning them and living in sin, and, and they do it in such a way that, that it's almost, they feel like they have to live that way. Like they have no power over those things that are affecting them. That is not discerning the Lord's body correct. Because if you discern what Jesus did for us, if you can discern what, that His body was broken for our sickness, His blood was shed for the remission of our sins, then that, and you, you learn how to apply that in your life, then you will start appropriating, you will start seeing the benefits of those things in your life. If you never, if you never see and understand what Jesus did for you on the cross, then you'll never, you'll never walk in the fullness of it. Amen. So, so what is it about the blood? This morning, I want to take, I want to just take the blood. I, we won't have time to do both of them this morning, but the, 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 the bread and the blood. But I want to just look at the blood this morning. What is it about the blood that is so precious to us? And why is it that we should make much of the blood? There's, there's whole denominations today that have taken the blood out because they say it's too gory. You know, we don't want to talk about blood. That's, that's gory. That's bad. But listen, I thank God for the blood. Amen. You know, the Bible tells us that without the shedding of the blood, there is no remission for sins. Yeah. You know, I mean, you know, so you better make much of the blood this morning if you, if you want to walk in forgiveness of your sins. Amen. And, and a full understanding of that. Let's, I want to open up a couple places. Let's look at, uh, Revelation chapter 12. And most of these scriptures, you probably know these. But I just want to remind you, remember, Jesus said that as often as you take communion. Now, He never told us how often to do it. Some people do it every day. Some people do it once a week. Some people do it once a month. Some people do it once a quarter. Uh, some once a year. I mean, you know, Jesus didn't say do it this many times. He just said this, as often as you do it, He said, think about me. Remember me. As often as you do it, remember what I did for you. Right, so this morning we're, we're receiving communion, we're taking communion, so we're going to remember what He did for us and see the power in the blood. Here in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, well-known Scripture, it just says this, They overcame Him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. So they overcame, and this is talking about overcoming Satan, but they, you know, in this, in this passion or in portion of Scripture in Revelation... But he says that they overcame him by, by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. You realize this, this is just another example that shows us how powerful our words are. We have to say something about the blood. We have to testify about the blood. We have to, we have to uh, apply the blood. Right? In Passover, if, you, if you'll turn all the way back over to Exodus. Let's turn over to Exodus and see this for just a second. We'll talk more about Revelation there in a second. But... But in Exodus chapter 12, 
This is the story of Passover. Now we all know we all know the story of Passover. How that you know uh, that God showed up and and they were still in bondage and they told him. They said God told him you know they they had all of the plagues that happened and and Moses was still you know him and Pharaoh were going back and forth and but here we finally get to the to the to the final the final thing here and it was going to be the death of the firstborn. And God told them, He said, now if you, He said, here's what I want you to do. Here's your instructions. You take the lamb, a perfect lamb, and you, you sacrifice the lamb on this certain night. And He said, then you go in your house, you put the blood on the doorpost, you go in the house, you eat the lamb, you eat it dressed, ready to go, and then He said, and then, and then you, I'll tell you when it's time to go, right? So, and we'll read a portion of that, but, but I don't think, let me just say this while, while we're talking about that. I don't think it's a coincidence that this, all this pandemic stuff and all this stuff is happening right on Passover. I mean, if you look at what's happening, we're, you know, we're all being quarantined and told to stay in our house and to stay in our, with our families and, and don't, you know, just you and your family is all supposed to be together. Well, that's exactly what they told them on Passover. He said, take you and your kids and your family and come in the house, put the blood on the doorpost and you stay in the house until, until I tell you it's okay to go out. And, you know, and so even in the, even in the time that we're being, we're supposedly being quarantined into our own houses, there's a spiritual significance to that. I was praying last night and, uh, just going back over these, these sermons or these, uh, scriptures and stuff. And I just heard the Lord say this, just rose up in my spirit. He said that, he said that today, this Easter Sunday, talking about, you know, today, he said today will be a turning point for America. And I believe what he was referring to is it's going to be a turning point for this virus. I believe, you know, there's been prophecies spoken. There's been, you know, from all kinds of different camps, not just from one camp, but there's been, I've read four or five different prophecies about how that this thing is turning on Passover. Amen. And I believe, and I heard the Lord say that last night. He told me, he said, he said, today will be a turning point for America. I like, this is a turning, turning point kind of day. Amen. And I believe we're going to start seeing the, the virus dissipate, leave quicker than it came. Amen. So, so here on, in Exodus chapter 12, this is the story of Passover. And he said this, and we'll just pick up right in the middle here. Verse 21, it says, then Moses called all the elders of Israel and he said to them, pick out and take lambs for yourself according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. Verse 22. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in blood, that is, in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two doorposts of the, uh, with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And you shall observe, now listen, he said this, you shall observe this thing as a, as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. So he told, he didn't say this is only a one-time deal. He said this is something every single year you're going to do this ordinance. Why is that? It's to remind them of what he did for them. 
Now, when you come, you fast forward to the scripture we just read in Corinthians, when Jesus told his disciples, or when Paul was talking, but Jesus told his disciples in Matthew 26 and Luke 22, or Jesus told his disciples, every time you do this, every time you take the Lord's communion table, sit at the Lord's communion table and take communion, he said, every time you do this, you're doing it in remembrance of me. We're reminding, we're not, we're, I guess we're reminding Him as well, but really we're doing it for ourselves. We're reminding ourselves of what Jesus did for us. And, and because of that, we can walk in and we can, we can remind ourselves and stir ourselves up about the very things that Jesus did for us on the cross. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus changed everything for us. It changed everything. And if you never think about it, if you never think about what Jesus did for you, if you never, if you never take the time to say, God, I remember that. I remember how you died for me. I remember how you shed your blood for me. I remember how you took stripes on your back and you were wounded for my sickness and my disease. And, and therefore, since you took that, since you took the judgment, you took the pain, you took the sickness, I don't have to bear that in my body. So therefore, whatever's attacking me, in the name of Jesus, it cannot stay in my body because Jesus already did that for me. He carried it. He was my substitute. He took my place. Therefore, my body can be free of sickness and disease. Amen. And communion just helps remind us of that. Now you might say, well, what is the, what is the power? Now notice, notice also this is very interesting. Notice that the blood was not for you to see, it was for God to see. Because you put the door, you put the blood on the outside of the doorpost and you entered in. And what God does with us, He, He, the blood cleanses us, it washes us on the inside. We can't see that, but guess who can see it? Our Father. He, when He sees you, He sees the blood. And therefore, since he sees the blood, he passes over with judgment. Why? Because judgment has already been poured out on the cross. He pours that. I mean, you know, it's a, it's a no, it's a no trespassing sign for the enemy. Why? Because it was paid for on the cross. Now, you can open the door and let the enemy in, but you don't have to. And you, and if, and if, and if you've let him in, you can kick him out. Amen. Why? Because if you've got the blood applied, the price has already been paid, the victory's already been won, it is finished. Amen. As far as that goes. Amen. So, let's look at one, one story here and uh, turn to Joshua chapter 2. This is the story of Rahab. Any of you remember who Rahab was? She was a, she was a harlot. She was a prostitute. Right? And, and she lived, you know, now, now this is interesting. I read this and I don't know that, you know, I don't know that this ever jumped out at me like this, but when I read this, when I read this to you this morning, this is really good. I saw this and, 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 and this just was kind of a new light I saw this in, uh, this week as I was studying this. So, you know, of course, Rahab was here, uh, in the, in, in the city and, and of course, you know, we know that the, the children of Israel were, were, had come out and they were supposed to go into the land and take the land right from, right from Egypt. But you know the story how they sent the twelve spies in, and ten, and you know when they came back they they viewed the city they saw everything or they, the cities and saw everything they brought the fruit back and all this and but when they stood before Moses in the congregation what did the Bible say the Bible said that ten of the twelve spies brought an evil report but there was two that that brought a good report 
And two of them, Joshua and Caleb, they came back and said, we're well able to take the land. We can do this. This, you know, God has given them into our hands. But the other ten came back and said, oh, but there's giants and there's walled cities and, and there's this and there's that. And, and they said, you know, and we're, and, and we, we looked at ourselves like grasshoppers in their sight. You know, they said, you know, we probably look like grasshoppers to them. And they're, they're going to squish us if we try to go take over, you know, take their land. Well, of course, you know the story how, how because of that, because the, because the people believed the report of the ten, that, that they wandered in the wilderness for 40 years until that entire generation died off. And then, at the end of that, when Joshua and Caleb were 80, in that range, 80, 82, something like that, when they were around 80 years old, you know, all that whole generation had died off, and, and now, now it was time, Moses had died, and now it was time for, the, for, for God to bring them into the promised land. So Joshua takes over, and Joshua comes in, and the first thing that he faces is the walls of Jericho. And he comes in, and here this city is. And Joshua, uh, you know, I guess he learned by example. So Joshua, instead of sending in 12 spies, he sends in two spies. You know, he thought, well, two of us brought back a good report, so I'm going to send in two to see if they'll bring back a good report. So they, so they, the two spies go into the city, and they go into Jericho, and they go, and, and they, they find, they find, uh, uh, refuge, or they find a place to stay here with the prostitute. Probably because the prostitute's house, there were people coming in and out all the time, and they wouldn't be noticed. Right? So they go to Rahab's house. She, she brings them in. Now I want you to hear this story about what happens. So let's look at, uh, let's just start reading in verse, uh, verse number one in, in Joshua chapter two. It says, Now Joshua the son of Nun sent out two men, uh, from Achaia Grove to spy, to spy secretly, saying, Go view the land, especially Jericho. So, th- so they went and came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and lodged there. And it was told of the king, uh, it was told the king of Jericho saying, Behold, men have come, uh, here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab saying, Bring out the men who have come to you, who have entered into your house, for they have come to search out all the country. So then the woman who took the two men and hid them, she said, Well, yeah, the men, the men came to me, but I did not know where they came from. And, you know, and basically what she was saying is, there's men coming out of my house all the time. You know, they didn't tell me what they were doing here. Yeah, they came, and but they left. You know, they came in, got what they wanted, and left, you know. And it says, it happened as the gate was being shut when it was dark that the men went out. That's what she told the king. She says, it happened that as it was getting dark, the men left. Where And it says, where the men went, I do not know. Pursue them quickly, for you may overtake them. But she had brought them up to the roof and hidden them in the stalks of flax where, which she had laid in order on the roof. Then the men of the city pursued by the road of Jordan to the, to the fords, and as, they, and, and as those who pursued them had gone out, they shut the gate. Now before they lay down, before, you know, before they went to sleep, she came up to them on the roof. And here's, now listen to, listen to what the, the harlot told these two spies. And she said to the men, I know that the Lord has given you the land. Now let me ask you this. When, how long had it been, how long had it been since God gave them the orders to go into Jericho? It had been at least 40 years. Now get that. 40 years has passed. She, the, this, this harlot, this woman of, of the city, just a harlot that was in the city, a prostitute, 
when she, when she receives these men, she goes up to them and she says, I know God has given you this land. Forty years ago, God did that, but I know that He's already given it to you. Now listen, she goes on. She says, I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all of the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. How, I mean, listen, 40 years, the whole city of Jericho was trembling, waiting for the children of Israel to come overtake them. 40 years. Look at verse 10. For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt. That happened 40 years past. She said, listen, I know God's giving you the land because I we've heard the story how God dried up the river for you, the, the, the Red Sea for you. And she said, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan, Shion and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. Now listen to verse 11. I mean, this is incredible. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you, for the Lord your God, He is God in heaven above and on earth beneath. Now listen, let me ask you this question. What would have happened if they would have attacked Jericho 40 years earlier? They would have overtaken it easy. Why? Because she said 40 years ago, every, she said every bit of courage that our men had left. We were faint-hearted. We were scared to death is what she was saying. And basically what she was saying is, we've been waiting 40 years for y'all to come take this city because we know that your God has given it to you. Listen, here's a word for somebody. You may not see it in the natural, but your victory's already been won. Your enemy's faint-hearted. Listen, the, the, the thing that's coming against you that has stopped you, if you could just look in the Spirit, you'd see that devil shaking in his boots. For 40 years, they were waiting for the children of Israel to come overtake them. That is incredible. i never really seen it like that before. She didn't say, she didn't say, our hearts are faint now. She said, we heard the story how the Lord dried up the Red Sea. And our, and, and our courage left. We knew we didn't stand a chance. Come on, that is good. So there now, therefore, verse 12, therefore I beg you, swear to me by the Lord, since I have sworn, since I have shown you kindness, that you will also show kindness to my father's house and give me a true token. It's fair, my, now listen, this, this is the power of the blood. It wasn't only gonna, it wasn't only gonna affect her, but notice what she said. She said, give me a token that, that you'll spare me, spare my father, my mother, my brother, my sister, and all that they have, and deliver our lives from death. She said, listen, I want my whole family saved. Yeah. Amen. So the men answered and said, our lives for yours. If none of you tell this business of ours, and it shall be when the Lord has given us the land that we will deal kindly and truly with you. And then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall, and she dwelt on the wall. And she said to them, Get to the mountain, lest the pursuers meet you. Hide there three days until the pursuers have returned. Afterwards you may go your way. So the men said, 
We will be blameless of this oath of yours which you have made us swear unless when we come back to the land you bind this line of scarlet cord in your window though, uh, through which you let us down. And it goes on and, and they basically they say, you know, when we come back we'll see this scarlet thread, this scarlet rope hanging down and we'll know that's the, that's the, the house that we're going to save. And they went on to say, and if whoever's in the house will save, but if they walk out the door, they're on their own. So then you turn over to chapter 6 when, when the children of Israel come and attack Jericho. And you know the story. They surround Jericho. They, they, for, for six days, they, they march around it one time and they don't say anything. And then on the seventh day, they march around it seven times. And at the seventh, after they get through on the seventh time, they let out a shout. And the Bible says that the city walls fell. But the interesting part is this. The interesting part, and you can still, they, uh, I'm not sure whether it's open now or not, but it used to be open where you could go see it, and they closed off Jericho for a while. But, but there is one portion of the wall still standing. And I guarantee you, that portion of the wall that was still standing was where Rahab lived. Because the Bible says that when they went into the city here in chapter 6, and look at verse 22, it says, but Joshua had said to the two men who had spied out the country, Now go to the harlot's house, and from her and from there bring out the woman and all that she has as you swore to her. And the young men who had been spies went in and brought out Rahab, her father, her mother, her brothers, and all that she had. They brought out all their relatives and left them outside the camp of Israel. But they burned the city and all that was in it with fire, only the silver and gold, the vessels of bronze and iron, they put into the treasure of the house of the Lord. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot, her father's household and all that she had, so that she dwells in Israel to this day, because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent out to spy out Jericho. Now, of course, we know the end of the story. We know that Rahab ended up marrying uh, you know, she, she came back to with Israel. She ended up marrying this guy. They ended up having a son, uh, Boaz. They ended up, Boaz ended up marrying Ruth. And then after, after that, just like one, two or three generations after that, David is born. And now Rahab, the harlot who hid, who hid the, the spies and helped them overtake Jericho, uh, she beca- she is forever in the lineage of our Savior. Isn't that something? That shows you the power. That scarlet thread. There's a you know when you look in theologically looking, there's always they always say that there's a scarlet thread that runs from Genesis to Revelation. And see, that's talking about the the story here of Rahab when she let that scarlet that scarlet rope down, and that's where the men of Israel or that's where those two spies knew where her house was. And that was the part of the, the city wall that didn't fall, and she was saved. The blood of Jesus, when you apply the blood, that is a picture of the blood. When you apply the blood, it will save you. And I promise you, when you, when you allow it to influence your life, it will not only save you, but it will save your family too. They'll see, they'll see on that, uh, they'll see in you the power of the blood. Now let me just, I'm just going to do this real quick, and we're going to get ready to take communion here. I'm just going to throw these out there. You don't, you don't take time to turn there, but you can look them up. I want to give you about ten scriptures. Let's see, how many is that? One, two, three, four, five. About twelve scriptures in the New Testament that talks about the blood and what the blood does for us. When we take communion, when he says, do this in remembrance of me, 
What is it we're remembering about the blood? What is it we're thinking about when we drink the juice that represents the blood? Listen to these references. Acts chapter 20, verse 28 says this, that the church was purchased with Jesus' own blood. Colossians 1.20 says that, that Jesus made peace through His blood. Ephesians 1.7 says that redemption came through the blood of Jesus. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 14 said that the blood cleanses our conscience. Hebrews 9.22 says without the shedding of the blood, there is no remission of sin. 1 John 1.7 says the blood cleanses us from all sin. Hebrews 10.19 says that we get boldness to enter into the holiest through the blood of Jesus. Hebrews 13.12 says that we're sanctified through the blood. Revelation 1.5 says that our sins are washed away by the blood. Revelation 12.11, we read that, we, that Satan was overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Romans 5.9 says we're justified by the blood. B.J. mentioned that word justified. It, the blood makes it just, as, just, if, if, just if I had never sinned. Amen. Amen. And that's done by the blood. 1 Peter 1.18, turn, turn to that one, I like that one, we'll look at that very last one. 1 Peter 1, verse 18 and 19, I love this scripture, how it says this. 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19. <clears throat> and we'll just look at this from the Amplified. And it says this, 1 First, First Peter 1, 18 and 19 from the Amplified says this, You must know and recognize that you were redeemed, you were ransomed from the useless, fruitless way of living inherited by tradition from your forefathers, not with corruptible things such as silver and gold. But, verse 19, but you were purchased with the precious blood of Christ, the Messiah, like that of a sacrificial lamb without blemish or spot. Here, Peter calls it the precious blood of Jesus. We weren't purchased with silver and gold. We weren't purchased because we were good. We, we didn't get salvation because we did something to obtain it. Friend, you and I, we have salvation today. We can, we can claim salvation. We can claim healing. We can claim uh, prosperity. We can claim everything that Jesus bought for us on the cross, all simply because it was purchased with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, our Savior. No other reason but the blood. Amen. So, so I gave you, you know, I gave you twelve. And I know we blew through them, but I gave you twelve scriptures in the New Testament about the blood of Jesus. Jesus said this. Let's let's go back to First Corinthians eleven, and and Jesus said this. In in Luke twenty two, he said, you know, I have. He says, I have desired to have this meal with you. I've longed. I've looked forward to this day. You know, now think think. Just think about that. That last, that last supper that he had with his disciples. Because Jesus knew that he was getting ready to be beat. He knew that he was getting ready to, to take the punishment and to become sin. He, he, Jesus never sinned one time. Yet he knew that that night and the next day that he was going to be made to be sin so that he could take our place. And the Bible tells us that it's for the joy that was set before him 
that He endured the cross. And I always like to say it this way. You know what that joy was. He was looking forward to April 12th, 2020, right here at Destiny Bible Church. And He was looking at each one of you. And Jesus was saying, I'm doing this so they can celebrate Easter. So they can celebrate my resurrection. So they can have salvation. Each one that's here, each one that's watching by Facebook, he, G, the Bible says that Jesus endured the cross for the joy that was set before Him. And I'm here to tell you today that you are that joy. You are the apple of God's eye. You are the reason Jesus came and died. You are the reason. Well, Pastor, you don't know what I did. No, you don't understand the power of the blood. You see, the blood of Jesus covers all of our sins. It doesn't, it doesn't just cover it. I, I said that wrong. It doesn't just cover it. It takes it away. It cleanses us. In other words, we won't stand before... We, we'll, you'll never be able to stand before Jesus and say, Jesus, remember that one time I did this? Remember that one time I, I did this real bad thing? And Jesus will look at you and say, No, I don't remember it. Why? Because the blood cleansed, cleansed it. The blood wiped it away. It washed it away. You know, he's not up, God's not up in heaven marking down every little thing you do wrong so that one day He can get you. Thank God for that. Thank God that our sins are not being counted against us. That doesn't make me want to go out and sin. That makes me want to live a holy life. Amen. Because He empowered me to do that. And every time, every time I come to the communion table, every time I think about communion, every time that, that, I, that, I, uh, that I go to the communion and get, the, get the, the cup of juice and the bread, I think about what Jesus must have been thinking that last night. When He looked at it, and actually, and even, and even it says that that last night, in one of the, I think it's maybe in Luke, that He told him, He said, as, as, he, was, as he was doing, as He was getting ready to... to, to institute the, the ordinance of communion, that he said, and one of you sitting here at my table, you're going to betray me this night. Could you imagine that? What if you knew, what if you knew that your business, that your business partner was getting ready to steal a bunch of money from you? Could you sit and, and offer him communion? Jesus did. Jesus knew that Judas was going to turn him in and lead the people to him. Now listen, he wasn't mad at Judas. You know why? Because, because Jesus, Jesus said himself, he said, I was born to die. He was born for that moment, right? And it was part of God's plan. But I'm just saying this, how many of us would be able to, and, and then to go further than that, he washed his feet. You know, that's when Peter said, no, you're not going to wash my feet. And he said, well, he said, if I don't wash your feet, then you've got no part with me. And Peter said, well, here, wash everything then. Wash my hands, my feet, my head, my hair. Wash everything, Lord. You know, because Peter said, I want, to, I want to have a part with you. But Jesus is there that last night, and He says, man, I've longed to do this. And He said, here's why. He said, because I'm getting ready to give you the bread, and I'm getting ready to give you the juice, and I'm going to show you something that you can do until I come back. And every time you do this, you'll be able to remember what I did for you. You'll be able to take this, and it'll be able to change your life. So that when, when you're facing a temptation, man, you can run to the communion table. 
and you can remember the price I paid for you. When sickness tries to get on your body, you can run to the communion table and you can remember that I paid the price. When, when, when you're missing the mark on something and you know that you need help, you can run to the communion table and say, God, I remember that you helped, you paid the price for me so that I can have the power to overcome this. You see, the communion, communion should not be just something tacked on at the end of the service that you do just out of ritual. Communion is a time when we connect with God. When we, when we get, when we get serious with Him. And, and He even said, let everybody examine themselves. Now, He wasn't saying examine yourself to see how much bad stuff's in you. You know what, really what, when He said examine yourself, what He was saying was this, examine yourself in light of what I've done for you. Look at the cross. Yeah, but you don't know. See, cause, because I, I've, I've heard, I, I was brought up and I heard people say, well, you know, that you can't take communion if you have sin in your life. You know, you've got to examine yourself. You've got to cleanse yourself. And you've got to come to the communion table clean. That's not what Jesus was talking about. Because to be honest with you, the people with sin in their lives are the very ones that need to remember what Jesus did for them. <clears throat> when you examine yourself, what He was saying was this. Examine yourself in light of the cross. Examine yourself based on what, what I'm getting ready to do for you. And every time you do it, you remember that, that, I, that I took that punishment. I took the judgment. I took the pain. I took this, the, the punishment and the, the, the penalty for sin. I took the punishment for your sickness and your disease. And because of that, now you can walk free from it. So when we examine ourselves, we, we can examine ourselves not to find bad, but we examine ourselves to see where we're not thinking like Jesus. And it, it helps us change our thought pattern to where now we start thinking, well, wait a minute, this sickness, God didn't give me this sickness, God didn't give me this pain. Your, your, your back, your hip, your leg, your head, whatever's hurting you this morning, you can, you, can, you can stand right now and say, you know what, Jesus didn't give this to me, so based on what He did on the cross, I can remember what He did for me, and as I remember what He did, then I can get rid of what, what came from the enemy. Amen. Because if He paid the price for it, then I shouldn't have to be, pay the penalty either. Because we shouldn't have to pay for it twice. Jesus took it. Jesus paid for it. So therefore, you can walk out of this building. You can walk out of your house. Wherever you are, every time you take communion, when you get up in the morning, you go to bed at night, whatever the case, whenever you take communion, you take the communion and you can walk, you can walk away from that communion table healed, set free, delivered, whatever it is that you need in your life. Based on what Jesus did on that cross for us. Not based on what we've done, but based solely on what He did. Now you can see why Jesus said, I long for this night. Because from this night forward, after my death, burial, and resurrection, from this night forward, every time you come to the communion table, then He said, you remember what I did for you. All throughout the early church, the early church, the Bible said they got together and broke bread. In other words, they remembered what Jesus did for them every time they got together. The church shouldn't be a, the church shouldn't be a social club. The church should be a place where we come and celebrate everything that Jesus has done. And we give testimony about the, the things that we're seeing in our lives and what God is doing in the lives of other people. Amen.
So here's what I want to ask you to do. Let's come up and, and everybody come and get the, the elements. I've, I've put the, um, the, the little wafer in a cup so you know nobody else has touched it. And, and I, I wore gloves when I did that so you can, you know, it's clean and get you a juice. I've got uh, the elements on both sides. So y'all just, if you're here in the building, you can come and get that. If you're there at home with us, um, watching us at home, I encourage you to get some juice, get a piece of bread, get a uh, cracker or something like that, whatever it is that, however you're going to take communion with us today. And I want everybody to, I want everybody that, that wants to, I mean, we don't force you to, of course, but everybody that wants to, we want you to participate with us because this is for everybody. If you are, if you are a Christian, if you are a born-again, spirit-filled, born-again person and, and you've got Jesus Christ in your heart, then, then communion is for you. And, and this, we're gonna, we're just gonna take a moment. We're gonna think about what Jesus did for us. We're gonna, we're gonna take the time to remember what He did. Now, here, and, and I left plenty of time on purpose because I don't want us to rush through communion. A lot of times we do it just real quick and we just, we just, you know, we're just read the scripture and we do it and we do it and we, and, and it's just real quick. Man, Wednesday night, Wednesday night, uh, in our worship and fellowship time that we had, prayer time here at the church, uh, man, BJ gave it an incredible uh, story or, or description of, of of when Jesus created Adam, and I, I love that uh, that illustration. Will you share that just real quick? Just take just a minute or two, not a long time, but but just just come up and share that story that you shared. I mean, just that, especially the end part about him putting his his hands on his yeah. face and and the first thing that he saw. Yeah. Listen to this, and and we'll and we'll this will tie right into communion here. Yeah. So uh, real quick, you know, just if you go back into scripture, that there was two times when the father, like everything the father does, he speaks. I mean, Hebrews, 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 um, Hebrews 11 says, know that the, the worlds were created by the word of God. But, but if you go back into, this, into the scripture, there was twice that the father actually used his hands on something. And, you know, and both of them had to do with, with us. Both times. Yeah. And the first one, um, just real quick, the first one was, was at creation. Because you guys realize, the father could have just said, Adam and Eve be. And everything would have come in place, and they would have been perfect. Because yeah. everything God does is perfect, whether He speaks it or He touches it, it's perfect. He had no reason to not have to speak it. He could have spoken it, but He didn't. I mean, on the sixth day, <laughs> on the sixth day, instead of just like looking and like saying, Adam B, that wasn't good enough for Him because He wanted to touch what he was created the most precious prize prize possession that he had ew kenyon says the only way he could answer the hunger for children was to create adam and eve mm. you and i are the answer for god's hunger for children yeah which is why he it wasn't enough to just speak it and on that day on the sixth day god came down and 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 he got down in the dirt and you can see him like he whatever he's wearing i don't know what he's wearing at that point in time but he's getting down, and he, 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 has to, he has to get down. Mm-hmm. And he gets down on his knees, and he scoops up. He scoops up the dirt. Who knows, he might even spit in it, yeah, right? That's right, yeah. You know, his DNA gets put into that dirt, and he, and he begins to form. Mm-hmm. And you can see he's getting so excited. Because this is why everything exists right here. Nothing was complete until the sixth day. 
the, the reason the, the, the stars and the, the, the reason the other planets even hang in the sky was for this right here. That's right. Everything exists because of us. <laughs> Glory. And, he, and he's, he's forming Adam. And I can just hear his heartbeat. He's just so excited. This is the, this is the time he's been waiting for. And he, and he gets to Adam and, he, and he's sculpting his face. And he's making it perfect. He could be speaking all this, but it's not enough for him. And he's, and he's just getting his hair just right. And he steps back. And how many of you know that there was no life in Adam when he got done sculpting him? Right? It says he breathed into him. And can't you see the intimacy there? Because God could have said, Adam, be. That wasn't good enough. God had to get in there and he, and he, put, his, he put his hands and they were face to face. You know, you could see it. You, could, you can just see it. The excitement of Father God. Because mm. the very thing that his heart beat for was about to come to life. And he gets there and he puts, he puts his hands on Adam. And it was just face to face. And Adam... And as soon as Adam opens up, the very first thing he sees is what? His father. The face of his father. This is what it's about. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, that is so good. Thank you for sharing that again. But just think about that, that, that how the very, you know, how God, how, how God created Adam, and then the very first thing he saw was his father. And see, I want you to get that picture. And the reason I asked him to share that is because of this. Because what I want you to do is this, as we get ready to take communion, and, and the Bible said this, the Bible said that, that Jesus, that he took the bread and he broke it, and he said, he said, take, eat, this is my body which was broken for you. And see, here's, here's what, because see, here, here's what communion is all about. Even the word communion, I mean, the, the word fellowship, the word communion, the, as, we, as we think about that, is not, you know, it's not something that is far off. When you think about having communion with somebody, it's, you think of that face-to-face experience. And so here's, here's what I wanted to do, just for a moment. Take that, just take that little wafer or the bread, cracker, whatever it is that you're, that you have, those of you, and please, if you're at home, do this with us. I mean, listen, there's nothing special about this little cardboard piece of wafer thing that we use. You know, you can take a cracker, you can take a piece of bread, you can take whatever you, a pretzel, whatever you have there at the house. This is, because, because this is just a representation of it. This, this is not his body. This is just a representation of it. But, but I want you to take it and just hold it just for a moment. And I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to picture, I want you to picture your Savior. I want you to picture Jesus. And even, and, and when I do this, I picture Him saying this. I, I picture Him, that, that illustration that BJ gave was so perfect. Because I just, I can see Jesus just right in front of my face. Just having this conversation with me saying, Stephen, my body was broken for you. So when you do this, when you take this bread, when you, when you break this and, and eat this, I want you to remember what I did for you. So just right now, let's take like 30 seconds. And, and it'll be quiet and that'll be okay. But, but just take and think about, just commune with your Father. Connect with your Father right now in these next 30 seconds. And just, and just say, Lord, you took sickness upon you. So whatever's going on in my body right now, 
I release that and I command it to leave because you took that sickness. And just see your Father, just see your, see your Savior just reaching in and bringing healing to your body because that was what was paid for. So right now, just let's just take just about 30 seconds and just spend some time connecting with your Father right now, with your Savior right now. Jesus, right now, we come to You. And Lord, we're remembering what You did for us on the cross. You said that as we do this, You instituted this this ordinance of communion. And You said, You told Your disciples, I can see You sitting around the table and breaking a piece of that bread off as You passed it around the table. And You said, You said, Take, eat. This is My body, which was broken for You. And at that time, they may not have understood that, but we do understand that. We understand that you were referring to your body being broken and hanging on the cross and and taking the stripes and taking the punishment for my sickness and carrying my sickness and carrying my sin. And you said that your body was broken for me. So therefore, my body doesn't have to be broken. You became sickness And You carried sickness so that I would not have to be sick. Lord, You even, even what we're going through right now, Lord, You paid for the coronavirus. There's no, there's nothing new under the sun that You didn't take care of. So Father, right now, we, we hold this up and we remember what You did. And as we take and as we eat this, this bread that is just just a reminder of us how your body was broken. As we chew it, and as we, as Father, as at, as we, as as even as even as our teeth crush it and 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 we chew it, may we be reminded of how much suffering you went through for me. Your body was broken like that, so that I could be free from sickness and disease. So thank you for that. We receive that. We take and we eat and we receive your broken body right now. So take and eat. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for healing in this place today, Father.
It said, in the same manner, He also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in My blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of Me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till He comes. We talked about the blood today. We talked about the the Passover. We talked about Rahab and the scarlet thread and how it saved her whole family. We looked at the Scriptures in the New Testament just real quickly, but we went through how that that we're redeemed by the blood, we're sanctified by the blood, we're justified by the blood. We, we get boldness to come into the holiest by the blood. We, I mean, the blood does so much for us. I want you to get a picture. There again, let's close our eyes for just a moment. Now let's connect with Him again here. Don't, I mean, take this serious. This is not a, this is not a time, you know, just to, to check out on us. But I want you to close your eyes and I want you to see and this might sound gory, and, and but don't let it don't let it be don't let it be that for you. But I want you to see Jesus shedding His blood for you. See the crown of thorns coming down over His His brow, and and the blood trickling down His His cheek. See Him on the whipping post. How He took each one of those stripes He took for sickness and for disease. See Him hanging on the cross. And, and, and the blood just pouring out of his body and how there at the very end the soldier thrust that, that spear through his side. You know, one drip, one drop of his blood would have been enough, but he shed it all. Get a picture of that just in your mind's eye right now. And like I said, it doesn't have to be a gory picture. It, it, it should be a beautiful picture to you because He did that for you. That was a sacrifice that He made for you. So let's take just 30 seconds again and, and just thank Him for the blood. Think about the, the, His blood being shed for you so that your sins could be remitted, forgotten, cleansed. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He said, he passed the cup, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. Thank you, Lord, for your blood. Thank you for the blood today. In Jesus' name, drink it. Can we just lift our hands just right where you are? If you're there at home, lift your hands with us and let's just thank Him this morning. Father, we celebrate Easter today. We celebrate the victory 
that was won on the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection. Jesus, you told us in your word too that every time that we do every time we do communion, to do it in remembrance of you. So, Father, we've just retold the story this morning. We've reminded ourselves of what you did for us. We reminded ourselves, Lord, I reminded myself, I don't know whether this came out like this or not, but Lord, I just reminded myself of, of what you did for me on that morning that you were resurrected. How that your body being broken and your blood being shed, it wasn't for nothing. As a matter of fact, it was for everything. <laughs> it was for my everything. And Lord, every time I, every time I receive communion, I remember what you did, the price that was paid. And I say thank you. I worship you. I praise you. I honor you. I make much of the blood of Jesus. I honor the blood of Jesus. I honor the the broken body that was broken for me. And because of that, because I honor, because I discern correctly the Lord's table, then Lord, I can walk out of this place today healed, whole, forgiven, set free, no bondages. Because Jesus, you paid the price on the cross. So for so Lord, my prayer this morning is for everyone that was here in this building, everyone that is watching online. As we receive communion together, Lord, my prayer is that we would get testimonies back of healings, of deliverances, of salvations. Thank You for that, Lord. We receive that and I believe that this morning, Lord. And we honor You. And we just say thank You, Father. In Jesus' name, Amen. Let me say one word of closing and and we're finished here. But if you're if you're there and and uh, and uh, especially if you're a part of Destiny and anybody in the building as well, I mean I, I, this is open to everybody. But but um, if you have been affected by this, if if you've lost your job, if you if you need help buying groceries, if you need somebody to pick up medicine for you, or, or whatever the case may be, if you need help, reach out to us and let us know. You know we we can't help you if we don't know. And so if, if you need help, I've had people ask me, Pastor, does anybody need help? Can we help anybody anyway? And, and to the best of my knowledge, nobody needs help right now. Thank God for that. I'm, I'm, I rejoice that, that God's providing for all of, all of us here at Destiny. But if you do need help, reach out and let us know. We would love to be able to help you and, and, uh, and help see if we can meet any needs. So, so just I wanted to put that out there. So God bless you guys. I love you. I pray that you enjoy the rest of your Easter. I know it'll be probably be a little bit different than most other Easter's, but but uh, but go rejoicing, knowing that the price has been paid, that that the blood of Jesus has has forgiven us of our sins, and that we that we have a covenant with our heavenly Father that can't be broken. Amen. So God bless you. Have a have a wonderful. Uh, Have a wonderful Easter and we'll see you soon. Love you. God bless you.